Welcome into another episode of the News for Jags podcast, and uh, sadly, we're here again talking about another Jaguars loss. The team now falls to zero and four. Justin, I, I gave it a swing. You did. I, I, I like the I like the, uh, the the confidence, and I was feeling good at halftime. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, fourteen uh, zero at half could have been seventeen zero. Could have been twenty one zero. You know that play at the end of the half where Trevor tried to sneak it across and got denied came back to bite him. You know I. I, I've been sitting there watching that play for like the past 30 minutes, and I, I see there's so many questions, and I think some people think it was a speed option. I don't think it was a speed option. I do think that the uh, – and Urban talked today and said that it was designed for him to get that ball out there to James Robinson. It looks like the outside linebacker spying James, and, and Trevor just bites when he sees that and, and cuts it inside and tries to plow it in himself. And in my head, I keep watching it over and over, and I'm thinking – I'd like James Robinson's chances one-on-one a yeah, lot I better did. than Trevor. And if you if you look at the replay, Trevor almost made it in. He almost was there. The linebacker got him by the – grabbed him with uh, with one arm and kind of corralled him to stop his momentum and uh, really stop the Jaguars' momentum too. But yeah. to me, this game, I know we can second-guess that play, um, whether you're up 17-0. You still left Cincinnati too. What, you kick a field goal there, it's 17-0. And then you still give Joe Burrow how much time to go down? I mean, they're more they're more uh, anticipating at the end of the game. They're setting up for a field goal. Jacksonville hadn't stopped them basically the entire second half. They they go in and score a touchdown. I think at the end of that game, the Bengals do, yeah, uh, and not kick that field goal. The defense couldn't stop anything. So I think that's a uh, that's a moot point right there. What happened at the end of end of the first yeah. half? I have no problem with that aggression before halftime. I I, I can. I'd nitpick at the play call. I'd put Chris Manhurts out there at tight end, and I'd plow it in from a yard out with uh, James Robinson. But I don't have a problem with them going for the end zone there. I think no, that when you when you're zero and three and you're the underdog on the road on Thursday night, you need to be aggressive in all those situations. Too. You know, you had you, all the momentum. You had all the momentum, um, and you score that touchdown. You you'd go into the locker room feeling real good at that point. Uh, but obviously they didn't get it, and we can sit here and second guess. I, that play was not, like you said, it, if push came to shove, Cincinnati would have went down and got a touchdown at the end of the game. The game was lost in the second half. Yep. Uh, the Jaguars' defense for now three weeks in a row has really shown me one thing, that they can play well when offenses are trying to be balanced early in the game and they want to get the run game going because one of the things that they set out to do this offseason was improve their run defense. They did that. The Jaguars' defensive line and linebackers can hold up against the run. But when these teams get into that passing mode and they start spreading it out and just almost you know, telling you, well, we're going to drop back and pass, the Jaguars don't have guys that can stick in coverage on tight ends, on slot receivers, on any of that. So when they start spreading you out, it's like, okay, well, we got Trey Herndon out here in the slot. They don't put Miles Jack in coverage that much. We can't cover bunch sets. I mean, if, if you do a rub route, we're confused. Uh, you know, there, there's so many different problems with just their passing defense at this point that, you know, I hate to tell you that a lot of these problems aren't easy to fix mid-season. No, not. And I think that's what people are getting caught up in. We expected better. Oh, and four. This is, you know, we're going to lose all 17 games. I don't think so. I mean, no. you, we've said it here on the podcast multiple times. This is not an overnight rebuild. I know with Trevor coming in and Meyer and all that excitement in the offseason, things are going to be different and better uh, quick. You're not. It, it's not like that. I hate to, to be the bearer of bad news, but this is a rebuilding project. And, again, I, we talked about it last week. That's why you don't go out and, and break the bank in free agency this year and bring out all in 
uh, every try to fill all those needs in one offseason. I think this is a test year for Meyer and Balky. I think they're going to see what they have. This is an audition for the future. They need draft picks in. They need a stronger free agency class. They need help all over the board. Uh, and, and it's not a, a one-off season project, and we're seeing that now. No, this is a slow build. I mean, and I've, I've gone back and I was looking at the free agency class earlier today from this past year, and it's like, well, if you bring in a guy, and I think this was a bad free agency class a little bit, but there are guys they could have brought in here or there. But then you punt on somebody, and Urban Meyer hadn't known these guys. If he brings in another corner he basically or tries to trade C.J. Henderson or makes it hard for C.J. to get the field, we're like, well, what are you doing? you got a top ten pick, and you're sitting him on the bench. Lo and behold, once he got his hands on him, he wanted him out anyway. But, I mean, at the time you had Joe Schobert, so you don't bring in a different mic. Um, you don't want to bring in too much competition at outside linebacker because if you do, then Chase on never sees the field and you can't figure out if he is a guy or not. Uh, you know, at wide receiver, do you want to bring in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones because then either Chenault or Chark isn't playing? And then now, and then we're sitting there saying, well, Chark showed signs of life. DJ Chark has shown signs of life in the past. Uh, you don't want to bring in some dynamic running back. I don't know who it would be and take touches away from James Robinson. You already brought in Carlos Hyde and ETN at, later on that offseason. So, I mean, you start looking at the roster and it's like, okay, well, d- would you really want to spend $60 million at safety to get another guy to go with Jenkins? No. No, and that's uh, why that's why I think they, they've done it economically, yes. but th- they've thrown Band-Aids at positions, and I think this team is, is going to be – uh, not raised next offseason, but I think there are going to be some some uh, some serious atonements in free agency next year, in the draft next year. Urban will have a year under his belt. Balky will have a better idea what this roster is capable of, and you're going to weed out more and more of the guys that were there in the past. I mean, they went budget on a lot of these free agent signings, except uh, Shaq Griffin and, and Rayshon. Um, but again, you've got you you've got to have a season under your belt. To um, you know, to work, and there, this is not a, a one-stop shop, and and you're fixed, and you're going to go 11 and, and six, and win the AFC South. It's not that type of job, regardless of what uh, what promise Trevor Lawrence brought to the team. This is a multi-year rebuild. Yeah, and you know there are some some bright sides to this. The defense doesn't look completely just in enabled. I mean, they've they've actually done well. I've liked some of the things that Joe Cullen has done. There are other things that I don't like, but you know th- there are positive signs. Trevor Lawrence is the guy. I mean, if you watch that Bengals game, there are a few throws in there. I mean, even the Russian touchdown from him are just things that you see that combination of talent and the growth that we've seen from him from that week one in preseason up until week four is insane. I mean, Gardner Minshew had a whole season under his belt, and we never saw this type of growth from his first start to now. Yeah. I mean, uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy. And it's every rookie quarterback this year. Mac Jones has struggled. His only win was was beating Zach Wilson and the Jets, and uh, we know how bad the Jets are. They're they're worse, I think, than Jacksonville. You can make that uh, that argument pretty convincingly. Well, luckily, they're on the Jaguars' schedule later this right. season, so it, so there should be one win. <laughs> yeah, Justin Fields and Chicago are uh, just a complete mess offensively up there. Um, you know, Trey Lance hasn't really really seen the field much at all. So it's just it's a rookie class that is struggling overall. We thought Trevor would have more of an instant impact. But you can't. I mean, it's ridiculous when I see some some people on social media posting about Trevor's a bust, and I mean that is just an asinine comment to make. No. Some of the throws that he's made have never been made by a Jaguars quarterback. That throw to Jamal Agnew on the sideline, great catch by Agnew last night. But Trevor put it right in the yes. basket, 
and uh, just that beautiful toe tap by uh, Jamal Agnew to get it in. The touchdown throw to DJ Tark last week. I mean, Trevor has made some bona fide veteran throws, and he is going to be a franchise quarterback in Jacksonville. Whether that starts to kind of happen this year at some point or if we have to wait till next year to see it and he's got a year under his belt and you know I saw the the comment from somebody on Twitter this morning saying Joe Burrow is so much better than Trevor will ever be it's ridiculous Joe Burrow had 10 games he started last year Mm -hmm. Um, he had a whole offseason head start uh, uh, over Trevor Lawrence so again I think you're expecting too much just because I think that the hype train on Trevor was so intense Um, but you got you got to give him a little bit of slack and I think you've got to give this franchise a little bit of slack because they were cleaning up a dadgum mess that was left behind them. Anybody that that thinks Trevor is a bust is not watching the games. You're just looking at raw numbers. You see the the touchdown-to-interception ratio. You see that the Jaguars haven't won, and you're saying Trevor's a bust. Anybody that is saying that is not watching these football games. If you watch these games, you see that Trevor is a quarterback running for his life at times. You see that there aren't wide receivers that are creating any sort of separation or giving him a place to throw to. And the play calling is not exactly doing the guy any favors. They're not manufacturing any space. They're not making any easy reads for him. He's going out there and having to put the ball in perfect places. Like that throw to Jamal Agnew. I mean, he, he could have put it anywhere else, and it's incomplete. He had to put it right where it was, and Agnew still had to make a great play to make that play. Um, it, Trevor Lawrence is going to be... He, he is not the problem. He is not the problem. not the problem. He is not the problem at all. Uh, so the, the the biggest thing that moving forward they got to do is they got to get the guy some help. And now with DJ Chark down, with Chark hasn't been playing well, um, but he is still a talented guy. He did catch that touchdown against the Cardinals in the corner where, you know, it kind of reminds people, oh, this is a guy that, that has a lot of talent. Well, now Chark's probably done for the year with a fractured ankle. Which, so, which stinks for DJ. It's yeah. a contract year. He hadn't had a great, great year. He'd been targeted uh, an exceptional amount of times and uh, just about two dozen targets and only had seven, eight, nine catches this season. So he, he hadn't taken that – Big step, like Urban Meyer challenged him in the offseason. No. DJ's a, a number one receiver. We need to see that from him. We can't have a, a DJ Chark season from 2020 this season. So he's not taking that that step forward. I know he had surgery during the preseason, and um, he just hasn't been that number one guy like we saw him in his second year. He needs to get back to that level, and, and unfortunately – I don't think it's going to happen uh, this year. And that creates another opportunity for who's going to step in. LaVisca played fantastic on on Thursday night. Is it Tyron Johnson? Does he step up? Is it Tavon Austin? Does he step up? Is Jamal Agnew into that kind of that uh, 1A, 1B, 1C role now? I mean, you got to have receivers that can give Trevor some confidence. And, I mean, Dan Arnold last night played exceptionally well, the tight end. So they used their tight ends more last night than they have this season. All their tight ends um, catching passes last night. So I like the incorporation of that. But, again, those tight ends are not receivers. We need to have Marvin Jones. We need to have somebody step up and be that dynamic play. Give Trevor some confidence um, that he doesn't have to throw the ball like he did to Jamal Agnew last night and and make a play. The guy that I'm hopeful will take advantage of this opportunity is LaVishka Chenault. I mean, Chenault, since he's been in the league, has been used as a gadget guy, short passes, I mean, three yards from the line of scrimmage and let him try and make something happen. Maybe this is an opportunity where it kind of forces the Jaguars' hands to line him up out wide, use him as a conventional down-the-field threat, and see what the guy can do. Like the the Bengals did last night with Tyler Boyd. I mean, it was – 
that's what I want DJ to be. Take some shots. Use him at, at the line of scrimmage. They started out last night, the Bengals, by throwing a couple quick screens, wide receiver screens, and made something out of it. You know, But that's almost what they Jacksonville's used DJ exclusively for. LaVisca. Joe, or, excuse me, LaVisca for. You know, but the Bengals, Joe Burrow, Looked to Tyler Boyd quite often, other than those little gadget plays, and it was quick. It was it was fancy. There were sideline throws. Use Lavisca like that. Mm-hmm. Use Lavisca like that instead of just a gadget player. I think when they drafted Lavisca last year, they didn't know how to use him. They wanted to use him in a in a pseudo kind of a slash role, and he just didn't have an identity last year. And I think last night could be what we're going to see from Lavisca from now on. Hopefully, throwing down the field. He had a 52 yard catch. Um, he had some some uh, picked up a couple first downs, huge first downs um, on drives in that second half. So make Lavisca, make him that guy. I mean, yeah. could he be behind Marvin Jones as your number one guy, one uh, B guy behind Marvin? I think so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd like to see them do that, and let's at least find out if the guy can do it or not, because he's never been given the opportunity. He has all the physical tools to be that type of player, and. The Jaguars don't have another guy on their roster that really is going to push for that sort of role on this team. I, they they just don't. Now, could they be a player in any sort of trade discussions for a wide receiver on the market? Possibly. I mean, people were connecting Ohio State dots with, like, Michael Thomas before the season because they were saying there was some bad blood between him and the New Orleans Saints. If he does become available once he's healthy – is that a guy that the Jaguars could be interested in? Possibly. Would it make sense now, especially after that DJ Chark injury? It definitely would because Trevor's got to throw the ball to somebody. Got to. And, and uh, I don't know if you're bringing DJ Chark back. It's not It's not I, looking like it. I mean, this injury, uh, if he was healthy, I, th- I had already written off DJ is gone. Now the injury, uh, I'm like, okay, well, maybe he'll want to stay in a place where he's comfortable, signed a short-term deal, like a one-year, maybe, a, maybe two. Uh, year deal just to kind of rehab his value because he started the season slow last year wasn't a good year either I mean you'd rather stay where you know the playbook you know the coaching staff you know the quarterback and say I'll go out there on a one-year prove it I'll prove that I'm a top guy and then I'll go somewhere else or I'll get my contract that I want here Um, so that may be the situation that DJ's looking at moving forward because He's not going to get the contract he thought he was going to get this offseason now. No, uh, maybe the cap goes up last year and some, some team throws stupid money at him. No, but no. I don't think he's a guy that, you know, after last year, this year was a little bit shaky. Maybe you blame that on, on the offseason uh, surgery. But I just don't think DJ's a guy you throw uh, throw a ton of money at if you're Jacksonville. No, I think the only team uh, – I don't think any team's going to throw a ton of money at him. I, I Like I said, I think his, his best-case scenario is a prove-it deal somewhere, short-term, where he can go in, rehab his value, and then get back on the market. Uh, that doesn't help the Jaguars immediately, but you know maybe it does next year if they can get him cheap and he goes out and shows he's the 2019 DJ Chark that – everyone thought was this ascending wide receiver. Um, But, you know, overall, that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from this offense, and even watching last night, is that they've got to get this guy some playmakers. Jamal Agnew's been playing wide receiver for two years now. He played cornerback in college and when he first got into the NFL, and somehow he's the guy that's the dynamic offensive play threat. Like, that's a problem. It's (laughs) unbelievable. I mean, I I thought after going into the second week of the season, it's like, Jamal Agnew, show me something other than fair catch. Show me something... And, man, he has just accelerated from that. The 102-yard kickoff return, the 109-yard kick six, the beautiful catch last night. 
Um, do you start incorporating him more into that offense and, and hope that he picks up that the nuances of that receiver position? And, and can he elevate and become like a Travis Etienne kind of type of player? He could. He has that sort of potential. He showed it at times during camp. I thought he looked great. I know I'm probably not at the top of Jamal Agnew's list of people he likes, but it is what it is. You know, I think he, he has the potential to be a great playmaker. Um, but the question is, does his coaching staff think that he can stay healthy with the increased workload? Uh, because, I mean, they didn't even want him to do much during preseason. They treated him as, they said, bubble wrap. Uh, so now, and we see why. Yeah, it's you know, an unbelievable. It, he, return he is game. dynamic. He is dynamic. So now the question is, do you slide him maybe into that Chenault role, those short passes? Let Chenault slide into DJ's role, and then see where the offense goes from there. Because Jamal Agnew is suited for a lot of that, and he's also suited to go down the field because he has the speed. He's shifty. He's a guy that I mean, you feel like you always see these dynamic returners and teams try and figure out how to incorporate them on their offense, but they so rarely work. yeah, it, it works. Work. So rarely. Um, so, but the Jaguars are in a position where they almost have to try because if not, like Johnson's still learning the playbook. He hasn't really been able to get out on the field, and even when he has in his NFL career, his mo- his biggest impact has been on like one route. Like, go deep down the field, use your speed, we'll throw it to you deep. He has not shown an advanced route tree. Uh, Laquan Treadwell looked good at times during camp, but what has he done throughout his NFL career? Career. Tavon Austin, Urban Meyer loves him, but what has he done throughout his NFL career? I mean, you've got a lot of guys around. Devin Smith, Urban Meyer loves him, but what has he done in his NFL career? we got a lot of guys here. Uh, Jeff Cotton's on the practice squad, too. One preseason game, the Jaguars fan base loves him. They don't have anybody who has shown anything on the NFL field consistently. It's like, all right, well, we got Marvin Jones, we got LaVishka Chenault, Dan Arnold is a solid receiving option at tight end. Who else besides James Robinson can you throw the ball to? Nobody. You got nobody that, like, if I'm a defensive coordinator going into game plan against the Jaguars, who do you worry about stopping? No, I'm I'm going to get get after Trevor Lawrence. Who do I need to double team? Nobody. I'm not scared of any of these guys. Like, what's the worst thing that happens if Marvin Jones gets loose? He'll make a play, but he's not like a big after the catch kind of guy. Lavishka Chenault has never shown that he can be a dynamic guy. Like, he'll make a couple guys miss, but it's typically like, and he'll he'll pick up like 15 yards. I mean, he's not going 70 yards on you. Jamal Agnew has your best case scenario of well, if it what happens if it works? If it works, you got dynamic playmakers that defensive coordinators have to worry about. How do we cover this guy? If it doesn't work, he gets hurt and then you lose your return guy. I, you're still in a bad position. <laughs> like I mean, that's why that Travis Etienne loss hurt so bad. Yeah, because he was at least a guy that you would have to account for, and I think they've tried to um, put a bandaid around that and say, okay, who who could be that? ETN replacement. We didn't know what Travis ETN was about. I mean, he was a rookie, but that untapped potential, familiarity with Trevor, that big play potential, and you just do not have anything on this roster to remotely come close to what ETN was was capable of. And you know, that's putting a lot on on a rookie. But I think he had the most dynamic Percy Harvin like uh, potential for this Jaguars team. And there's absolutely, and that's why I go back to it again. The Jaguars are going to need to address this in the draft, address this with a serious free agency push, and it's not something you you uh, try and fix five games into the season. You, you can't really realist- can't realistically no. fix this five games into the season. The only way to fix it at this point is if 
somebody ha- is on the trade market, if there's a guy that a team is willing to part with, and there just aren't, I mean, if they're dynamic, why would a team trade them? Unless there's a contract situation looming or something going on behind closed doors. And the situation here in Jacksonville, and here's the biggest thing, this team has not won a game. They've lost 19 straight games. You cannot bring locker room problems here. You can't do it. You have to bring positive locker room figures because this thing could go off the rails if you have the wrong guys in that locker room. And it doesn't take many. It just takes like one or two, and all of a sudden, this positivity, this improvement we've been seeing goes off the rails, and we've got an 0-16 or 0-17 team that's, on our hands. You saw that with the, the Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone years where you had yeah. the bad locker room vibes and um, even – you know, Jalen Ramsey saying afterwards it wasn't a wasn't a good locker room, and veterans saying it wasn't a good locker room. So you could see how that backbiting and divisiveness infiltrates into a locker room. So I think with Urban, you know, after games, he, I love these guys. I don't see a lot of um, you know a lot of uh, downers in this locker room. We're going to win. We're going to be successful. So I don't think we've seen that at this point when it could be very very easy to do after 19 straight losses. Um, in in the league, but I just don't I don't see it going off the rails yet, and that's probably a credit to um you know to to some uh, some creative roster management, and uh, you don't want to trade for that locker room cancer. You don't need that at all. We've seen it before in Jacksonville. Yeah, and so th- there's going to be some things. I'm sure they will make some moves. I I'd expect at some point they will make a trade. I don't think it'll be anything earth shattering, but they are going to keep tinkering. And they have plenty of draft picks to tinker with that they can send out. It's not like you need a bunch of rookies on this roster. If somebody's willing to take a third-round pick off your hands and give you a veteran player on a good contract, you take it. Because um, they this is a plenty young team. The, the thing that we need to that fans have to understand is that this is a process. We understand that you wanted to win and that it looked like it was a win. But this is a one-win team a year ago. Um, and that they don't have a lot of talent. Like, when you look at it and you're like, oh, well, we got to get this guy off the field, look at the roster and say, well, who would you rather see on the field? I mean, I look at the defense and I'm like, I'm not a huge Trey Herndon fan, but who would I rather see on the field instead of him? With Chris Claybrook? Yeah, it's like, who? who? And just there's no other there's good nobody. option. There's there, no good options. There isn't talent on the bench. This is not a very deep team. It hasn't been a deep team in years. And that's the problem. I mean, outside of Andre Sisco, there's nobody on the bench for this defense that I'm like, I really need to see this guy on the field. And Sisco, I mean, he's just a rookie, but honestly, Wingard's played pretty well the past couple games, so I understand why he hasn't seen the field. So it's like, all right, well, where do we go from here? Well, you, you hope that injuries never strike, because if injuries start laying in, then, yeah, we're, it's could go off the rails there too. Probably the thinnest team in the league yeah, right now. I'd say so. And I, I mean, you it's just been don't thin. have you have no depth, no depth. I mean, you, Andre Cisco, Andrew Wingard. I mean, that's that's maybe one change you can make, but he's not played exceptionally bad. I, I think Wingard's played well the last he, two weeks. He, I mean, he was in position, almost had another interception. I mean, he he was clearly out of bounds, but he, I mean, he was in position to make the play. Yeah, corner is is terrible um, beyond starters. I mean, Shaq Griffin. Solid, but didn't do much last night. Tyson Campbell still, um, I'm not as high on him as a coaching staff is, and he's, <laughs> he continues to, um, to to make plays that a rookie makes and, and struggle with the game. So um, your hope is that these frontline guys improve enough next year to be competitive. You get some depth behind them and yeah, hopefully learn from this season, which shaping up to be another disappointing, troubling, bad season for the franchise. And, 
Um, I don't. I can't blame fans for being down on them, but you have to look between. You know, people say the media doesn't. Media in town doesn't hold these guys accountable and, and doesn't. You know, takes the uh, the other side of the view, the silver lining view, too often. But I don't see that. I mean, Jacksonville has been down and bad for so long. I think you have to look at the positives, and that's. Again, last year I didn't see any positives for that team. That was a bad, bad football team. Yep. Probably the worst I've seen. Uh, I know the record-wise, definitely the worst. But as far as talent-starved teams that I've ever seen in Jacksonville, that includes the the expansion year Jaguars in '95, and that last year's team was awful, awful. This team has pieces in place. I mean, you've got a quarterback on a rookie contract, one of the best quarterbacks come out in the, in the, into the league in years. You've got Urban Meyer. You've got guys around there, pieces. Of, of the team that is going to get there. I think you've got to look at the positives. They've made improvements each week. Um, and this is a completely new regime, tons of rookies, tons of new players. And I do think that they're going to get it turned around. I'm not as, as uh, sour and down on this franchise as I was a year ago and certainly not as, as uh, sold out on them as, as certain uh, as fans are right now after seeing so many losses. Yeah, I keep seeing all these fans wanting Urban Meyer gone. And I'm like, I, when, when they hired him, I was 100% skeptical. I was like, oh, this is idiotic. This is like just a headline hire. I thought it was a bad hire. And then slowly I started to see some of his plans start to get put into place and see his vision a little bit. And I said, okay, at this point, like this is an 0-4 football team, and this is going to sound strange on me saying this, but I am 100% convinced that Coach Meyer is the guy to turn this team around. And I, I have nothing besides like what I've seen from him and his vision for this roster to, to like prove that. But there's no coach that could walk through that door with this team that Urban Meyer was handed and win substantial amount of games there's no coach I don't care if Bill Belichick was here he could not win like you can say Bill Parcells we can go through the list of great head coaches throughout the NFL history none of them are winning with this roster Trevor Lawrence is a rookie quarterback that's great I think the offensive coordinator has not done him any favors with play calling I think they did not do him any favors with the way they built this roster around him they attempted to but they did not so ultimately, there's going to be some restructuring there. I think Meyer has a vision. I can see his vision, and I can see the, the, the lack of vision that Dave Caldwell had with building this roster for the past few years. You have to hit the undo button a little bit. It's, all right, well, how do we fix this? We got cap space. Do we want to punt on all these high draft picks that the, that the previous regime brought in? No, you don't want to just hit the punt button on all these guys. you got to see them first. Let's find out can Chase on play. Like, okay, ultimately we found out Chason's not a pass rusher. What can he do? We don't know yet, but Ur- that's Urban Meyer's job to figure out, does this guy have a place in the NFL or was it just a terrible pick? I mean, if he would have walked in here day one and been like, we're going to cut Chase on and we're going to move on from C.J. Henderson, people would have thought he was insane. I mean, seriously, like, fans would have rioted. They're like, what are you doing? That's two first-round picks. You can't do that. But now uh, we're into the season, and fans are looking at it, and they're like, oh, these guys weren't really good picks. Well, if he'd have told you that from day one without, like, letting them practice or letting them try, people would have thought he was crazy. He had to let some of these guys show what they can do on the field because he needed to see it firsthand. Was it the coaching staff putting them in bad positions? Can they be fixed, or is it just a talent thing? How can you fix a team without seeing it firsthand? He could have come in here and just redud the whole roster the way the Texans did it. But then if he does that, does that really set you up for the future? 
No, it doesn't. It sets you up to win a couple of games here or there because you got veteran guys that are going to do the bare minimum and do what they need to do to win a couple of games. But does that set you up for the future? No. Play your young guys, see what you got, and then move forward. Then you bring in the veteran pieces that fill in. You've got depth that's young on young contracts, and you move forward with it. At 0-4, fans don't want to hear that, but that's the reality. Yeah, and that's why I didn't. You people thought, the Jaguars and all this this free agency money and salary cap money and free agency, you're not at a position, I, I think Irvin and, and Trent even addressed this uh, before the draft, that they weren't in a position to go out and sign these massive free agents. They just weren't there. They were no. not there. And this is a perfect reason why. With spending uh, $60 million on uh, Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry and, t- and uh, the tight ends, help the Jaguars right now. Are they no. still an own 14? Yeah, they're yes. still an own 14. Both of those guys, I mean, Hunter Henry has a long list of injury concerns. Janu Smith is a guy that needs to be fit into a game plan very specifically. That uh, You can't game plan around adding this tight end when you still have to figure out the rest of your roster. I mean, it, would that, that would have been a waste. Would throwing the bank at Kenny Galladay really have helped this team that much? No, no it no. wouldn't have. I mean, even you can look at it on the defensive end. Matthew Matt Jadon got a huge fifty million dollar contract from the Patriots. Would if they'd have thrown fifty five million at him and brought him to Jacksonville? Does he turn this defense around? No, no he's not that kind no. of pass rusher. Uh, who else was a free agent? William Jackson. If they bring him in, that means C.J. Henderson doesn't play. Does that does that inspire confidence from the fan base? No. Uh, there's nobody on that last free agent class, short of maybe Trent Williams, who uh, who signed as soon as free agency started. He re-signed with the San Francisco 49ers for a, a gigantic contract at left tackle. Uh, it, do the Jaguars throw the bank at him and try and bring him to Jacksonville if they could? Does that change the offensive line a little bit? That moves on from Cam, and that helps. But how much does it really help? I mean, Trent Williams is, what, like 35? Like, how long is he going to really play at that high level? We don't know. I mean, do you really want to be tied to a guy who's on the downside of his career and injuries? No, you don't. Right now, they have no bad contracts. They've got a bunch of young talent. They're 0-4 and, and knocking on the door, possibly going to, to 20 in a row if they lose to the Titans next week. But overall, they're in a good position. It sucks to say this, but there are moral victories we have to take yeah, from this. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I'm, totally, I'm totally fine with that. In free agency last year, the Jaguars went to dinner at Golden Corral <laughs> instead of Ruth Chris. <laughs> That's it. And next year, maybe you can upgrade that. Instead Applebee's, of going Chili's. To, yeah, maybe Applebee's <laughs> next year, maybe uh, you know, uh, Hardee's or something. Um, but you've got to elevate to that point. Um, you're not going to... It would have been foolish for Jacksonville to, to break the bank and use all that cap money on win-now guys. I yes. think guys like Shaquille Griffin, Rayshon Jenkins were young enough where they showed promise in, in adding them to the team. But again... Jacksonville is not built to win right now, and I think that's what is so disappointing to fans. They've endured this losing for so long, 19 games in a row. But I think if it, you know, I, I agree. I think if you bear with the Jaguars a little bit longer, the you know you're going to be eating at Ruth Chris before you know it. Oh, it's coming! It's coming! I think there's. I, I got marked down six winnable games left on this on this uh, on the schedule. So there's a, a very strong chance that the Jaguars will win at least four of those. I'd say. Um, and then next year, you go into the free agency class. Hopefully, it's a stronger free agent class. The Jaguars still have plenty of money. They got more draft picks. 
this could be a roster next year that all of a sudden flips that switch. Um, because they're, uh, what we want to see is we want Trevor to make it through all the games. And so far, through four games, he's done exactly what Jaguars fans and what we said we wanted to see. Consistent progression week in and week out. And what has he done from week one to week four? Absolutely. He's, he looked good he, last night. He he's gotten better each game. He's run, and, he ran the ball more last night, which I, I like to see because yes. he's a mobile enough quarterback to get things with his legs. He slid. He didn't take chances. Had like 36 rushing yards, a great move on a touchdown run. Oh, man, Trevor Vick right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he, he's doing things each week. Um, and the big thing last night was no turnovers. And yes. he struggled with multiple turnovers every game. His first three games, he had more than two or more turnovers every game. No picks last night, no bad throws, I didn't think, last night, uh, compared to how he'd been forcing things, leaving them high, um, trying to make a play every time. I thought he took um, – Took check down passes last night. Looked for his, uh, you know, looked off um, those deep targets and and tucked it and run sometimes. He checked it down sometimes. So that's progress. And again, I know you're looking for wins and uh, big statistical games, but you've got to look at progress first. You've got to, you know, uh, you've got to crawl before you can walk. The saying is, and I think that that's what Trevor's doing right now. And that the positive last night, no turnovers. Played a much smarter game. He used his legs a little bit more. Uh, he didn't take too much abuse. And again. He's going to grow into that franchise quarterback. I mean, look at Troy Aikman as a rookie, one in fifteen. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, three and thirteen. It takes time, you know. It takes time, and I think Jacksonville is going to get to a point of of contending for an AFC South championship. Not going to be this year, but they are going to win some games. It's going to happen soon. Yeah, I'm going to borrow a phrase from a, a different sport here: the process. The, it's it's the process. We, we're you got to go through it. I mean, there are going to be some growing pains. It's it sucked. You never want to see consistent losses, but just it, you you deal with it. If at the beginning of the year I told Jaguars fans that. Uh, you know, each week Trevor Lawrence would progress, but the team will only win like three games. I think most fans would take that. But now that we're in the middle of seeing it, like you don't want it. And it's like, uh, well, if I told you that by the end of the year you'd be convinced that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a top 10 or 15 quarterback next season, you would take that 100 times Absolutely. out of 100, 100. Because if you have that quarterback – Everything else just all of a sudden, especially if he's on a rookie contract, all of a sudden the rest of the pieces just seem to fall out of the sky into place. And right now he's just growing into that guy. And a a lot of these other young quarterbacks that people like to refer to, like Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Westbrook, they walked on to really good teams as rookies, and they weren't asked to do the heavy lifting. They walked into good situations, were asked to manage the game, hand the Brock off like 25 times, and then just make little plays and and allow them to use their legs and do some things. And then they grew into these game-changing quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence walked in, and they dropped 100 pounds on his shoulders and said, be the guy. I mean, that's the situation he's in. The only quarterback that, like, I know people like to compare him to Justin Herbert last season, but Herbert has playmakers. Keenan Allen is like a top five wide receiver in the NFL. He's slept on, but but he's one of the top wide receivers. Mike Williams is like a top, was one of the best college wide receivers from the last decade, and he just hadn't done much in the NFL. But he had two guys. Hunter Henry just got paid. Like, 
Austin Eckler is a great receiving running back and a running back, period. I mean, do you look at the pieces on that offense yeah. and people are like, oh, well, why isn't Trevor Lawrence having a Justin Herbert type season? Who on this team is as good as Keenan Allen? Nobody. Nobody. Like, I Nobody. mean, Mar- I like Marvin Jones, but we can't put Marvin Jones no. in the same conversation as Keenan Allen. We can't. Like, if you said, okay, Marvin Jones is as good as Mike Williams, I'd say, well, this season Mike Williams is playing a lot better than Marvin Jones. You know, uh, like, okay, if you tell me pick between James Robinson and Austin Eckler, I'm like, oh, what's the role? If you want a a running back that we're going to hand the rock off to 20 times, give me James Robinson. If you want a running back that you're going to throw the ball to 20 times, give me Austin Eckler. And right now, Daryl Bevel isn't handing the ball off to James Robinson 20 times. So you can compare these things, but let's look at apples to apples. Let's look at the weapons that one guy has and the, the weapons that the other guy has. They ain't the same. And until you get this guy the weapons that the other guy has, you can't be upset when he's throwing some interceptions because nobody's open. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You have no weapons. We we covered this earlier on, and you could look at the Jaguars roster, and I think there was the, the outsized expectations, but there's nobody on this team outside of Jamal Agnew when you're kicking to him that strikes fear into the heart of, of anybody on this team. And goes back to the, the, the time-age, time-tested uh, theory you can't win the Kentucky Derby on a mule. There you like go. That's it. You can't win the Kentucky Derby on a mule. We kind of strayed from the whole reacting to the Bengals' loss thing into, the, I guess, the bigger picture. Which is, but the bigger picture is that this is a process and that it is a growing, it is a growing season. And you know, next week against the Titans, we hope that they'll be able to get a win and won't fall to that twenty in a row. But, you know, it's all about growth. Can they play the Titans into the fourth quarter? Can they stop Derrick Henry and make Ryan Tannenhill beat them? Can you hold Julio Jones and A.J. Brown? There's a lot of ifs there, but you you just want to see consistent process about progress. Like, if, if t- Trevor Lawrence goes out there and has another step-forward game and the offense puts up 30 points and, and Tyson Campbell learns how to play the ball in the air— all of a sudden, and which is a big if too. But but if they, if I if I walk out of the if I tell you like right now, let's say Trevor Lawrence throws three touchdowns, no interceptions, and Tyson Campbell plays the ball in the air, gets like two pass deflections uh, down the field on Julio or AJ Brown, but the Jaguars lose. Would you take that? Absolutely, exactly. Progress. That's progress. progress. That's the that's young players growing into their roles. You never really want to drop the world on these young guys' shoulders. And you saw, like, you see Urban trying to do it with some of the other guys, like Walker Little. He could have just thrust him into the lineup. Andre Sisco, they could have just thrust them into the lineup. But and and it's kind of frustrating for fans because they're like, "Well, oh, I want to see the young guy. He's got all this talent. Well, you're sold me on how good he is and all this other stuff." But at the end of the day, they're still a rookie. This is completely brand new to them. And while it sounds cliche to say a team needs to learn how to win, I actually asked Shaq Griffin about that heading into the Bengals game, and he said, "You know, uh, guys all all want to make that play." Every guy on that defense wants to make that play. And it got me to thinking, all of these guys were stars on, like, every team they played on from peewee to high school to college. That's how you get to the NFL. You were probably a star. So in in every other level of play you've been on, you've been the guy in crunch time that had to make the play if y'all were going to win. And now you're not. And now, now you're now not. Now you have a role. Yeah. And, and so it's tough for, for some of these young guys to understand, like, okay, well, instead of being the guy that has to freelance and go make that play, all I need to do is eat up these two blockers and do my job 
and somebody else can make the play and we'll be fine. And it, that's self-awareness. That comes with time, and sometimes it doesn't come on that first contract. It comes on that second contract when you realize all of a sudden, oh, I'm a role player in the NFL. Look how I'm being paid. This is what they brought me here to do, one thing. And then it starts to set in. So, I mean, that that's a little bit of self-awareness. That's part of learning how to win. Instead of jumping that route, like, just cover your guy. And, and if the ball comes your way, knock it down. But if you get a chance to make the play, make the play. But that's the process. It's learning how. It's self-awareness. It's not overdoing it, not feeling like you have to be the guy because that's what you were at every other level. Because in the NFL, just because you were a star in college and high school, that don't mean nothing. Like A lot of these guys, there are very few stars in the NFL. You have to be special. Uh, so at times, like even we've talked about the play before the half. Trevor kept that ball and tries to plow it in because he's always been that guy at every level. While I understand that that outside linebacker was watching James and was going to be there. But in the NFL, you flick that ball to your running back and tell him one-on-one, go make the play. And you have to trust your guy to go do it. It's a learning experience for even Trevor. I'm willing to bet you next week when he talks, if we ask him about that fourth down play before the half, he's going to say, I should have pitched it to James. Because he's going to go back, watch it, and say, James would have been one-on-one on the edge. And in the NFL, your running back has to make that guy miss. This this ain't high school. Yeah. This this ain't it's not college. This is the NFL. James learning, Robinson has to do it. They're learning, all learning. Learning experience. Yeah. So all right, I, that about wraps us up for another News for Jacks podcast. We'll talk a little bit more about the Titans game uh, heading into next week at some point, and uh, try and keep you keep you caught up on everything that's going on. We appreciate you tuning in as always, and hopefully, the Jaguars will avoid the dreaded twenty.